WFIA welcomes you to The Art Parlor, where visually impaired artists of all types will discuss their work. Pull up a chair, bring your beverage of choice, and listen to thoughtful, stimulating conversations with visually impaired artists in all media and from all parts of the world. And now, here's your host, Peter Altschul. Welcome to the Friends in Art Art Parlor podcast. My name is Peter Altschul, Program Chair of Friends in Art. And late June, early July is a big deal for us because we have our two showcases. The one in July is going to be centered around an organization called IC Music. They're coordinating the house band and the recording and everything else. So we thought it'd be good to talk about what IC Music is and who we're all involved and all that good stuff. So to start that process, I'm going to ask Byron Harden, who is in charge of IC Music. Hey, Byron, what is IC Music? <laughs> Hi, uh, yeah, Byron Harden, owner and director here at IC Music, where we train the totally blind and visually impaired in audio production and studio engineering as it pertains to adaptive technology. We have been servicing blind community since uh, February 10th of 2014. And, you know, I'm super, super excited to have one of my partners in crime, Kevin Reeves, with us today, as well as another partner in crime who came on a little bit later, uh, as we'll talk about all that kind of stuff, Mr. Derek Lane as well. So I, I see music basically, uh, we're a small company. We have about uh, 10 trainers working for us. They're all totally blind. They're all over the place uh, as far as way as Australia. We are training people not only in person on audio technology, but also over Zoom too as well. So we, we, we can accommodate a multitude of situations. And obviously, we're excited about that. So Byron, talk about what prompted you to start this business. I prompted me uh, because I, I needed a service like this. So I have a very interesting story, which I'm not going to go into uh, in depth here, but I, I've lost my sight twice in my life. Uh, once at seven uh, due to Steven Johnson's and then a second time at 38 due to glaucoma. And I've always been in audio production at various levels. As an adult, of course, it was a professional thing. I, you know, I got paid to do what I did. Uh, I am a player, meaning that I play instruments. I am a producer and I am an engineer, uh, both studio and live. And as a person in and out of sight, you know, trying to find a way through adaptive technology to be creative and stay creative, you know, and present in a fashion where technology does not get in the way. There was just nothing out there that was comprehensive as far as that was concerned. And so I wanted it to be something that was as basic as possible, but then at the same time as advanced as it possibly could be as well. And being able to do that, we were able to look at the different unique abilities from cognitive to physical to obviously blindness. And so back in, I want to say maybe it was 2012, I went to the Carroll Center and I learned Apple computers and adaptive technology because that's when I, I lost my sight in 2011 for the second time. It's when I was 38. So I am old. Okay. When I came back with some basic Apple training, the vision started really sinking in to creating a curriculum or designing some type of flow to training. And I had reached out to a gentleman and, you know, he said, well, you know, I know someone who would be amazing at this. And, and that was Kevin Reeves. He said, yeah, man, I'll train you, of course. And then I, I laid on him 
my vision. What a burden, you know what I mean? Because then next comes, hey, man, do you think that uh, you would be a trainer for IC Music? So that's how it kind of all kicked off. And, and we sat down and designed the curriculum together. And voila. So, Kevin, let's hear your side of the story. You're plowing along, doing whatever it is you're doing. They get this call from this weird dude named Byron. Talk about how you fit into all of this. I was at 2012 NFB convention. And I wasn't even like involved in any of the general session stuff because I never really do any of that. I go and network and try to help people and and it, usually music related stuff. And you you know if ever I was at any of these NFP conventions, you'd see me like in a hallway, like with three or four people around me that that are like, "Hey, I'm just trying to get my start on music. What what kind of microphone?" And I, I just love those kind of things where people are coming up and asking me things. And so I was I was doing that, and I got a phone call, and he just he and he and I just started rapping, and I never whatever activity I thought I was going to go to that day, I didn't even do. I think we talked for like three hours and he was like, look, you know, I want to do this thing and I, I need to learn pro tools and I'm still working on getting equipment. We, he was borrowing machines. He was not only borrowing machines, he was borrowing like places to actually learn because I, everything for, for him, like he was, oh, I got to go to my cousin, uh, or my friend Jovia's house or whatever. I got to use her computer and so had to install pro tools on it. And, but we worked it. And I have to say, I'm grateful for Slough because I did this horrible main menu showing like 20 years ago where I just figured pro tools out. And I'm like, okay, look, I can make this thing work. I knew how to make it work. And I knew how to make things go on it. You know, play, stop, record, make a track put a thing on it, whatever. But I really didn't understand the, the software itself. I mean, I really didn't. I was really excited to show it to everyone, but I actually didn't know it and I didn't know how to use it. And so I really got a lot of people interested, but in reality, I was a mindless hack that like barely tried to scratch the surface of how even that stuff worked. And Slough pointed out a bunch of things that I had incorrect. He goes, man, this is what this actually does. But he was very gracious because I was this young dude, right? And he was very gracious. And like, I did a thing that he probably should have done uh, originally and get on main menu and go, here's how it really works. But he had enough grace for me and not, you know, laughing me out the door. And I don't even know how, I mean, how do you appreciate a gift like that? Because you really did look like a mindless hack in, in a, the, the eyes of a professional. And so anyway, I'm, I'm grateful for him to, to have, you know, stuck with me in, in learning Pro Tools. And I learned from him. And so what I gave Byron in a week uh, or, or two weeks or whatever was what I got within 10 years of off and on calling. Did I really know how to RTFM? Not really. Let's just be real. And so it was a lot of calling and, hey, how do I do this? And, you know, it was it was a lot of grandstanding early on when I was learning how to do all this where I thought I knew more than I did. But by the time I, you know, I had learned it and kind of got to Byron. I was I was in a comfortable space now where I was like, oh, yeah, we can actually teach this and not feel like a mindless hack. Wow. OK, yes, I, let's try this. And I loved it. And I loved the fact that my first learner is a guy that is now the one I passed the torch to when he's going to go teach the more advanced stuff. I was telling my mom about this a month ago and she goes, wait a minute. You have like this many years. Why did you give the advanced stuff to the other guy? And I said, because he's an advanced mix engineer. He has tools that I don't have. I'm really good at teaching this navigating thing. 
he's really good at teaching the navigating thing. And, oh yeah, here's how I mix a record. So it's natural for him to do this. And I'm totally glad that he's like doing all the more advanced stuff. Cause I love what we do. I love what I do and I love what he does. So it's just been a fun ride that started from weird. And it was like, we don't know if we got this thing, you know, we're just, <laughs> how do we install this to now we've got something really, really rocking. So Kevin, before we move on, you mentioned Slough Halton. And uh, for those who remember prior showcases, when we had a, a house band version 1.0 with Gordon Kent and other people, Slough was a pivotal role in those showcases. He helped us out uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, I think we did a couple of his tunes on our showcases, an amazingly generous and great guy. I have fond memories of working with Slough as a drummer in the praise band. So I'm delighted to hear his name again. Absolutely. Uh, he, he is an amazing musician as well as uh, obviously trainer. So Slough, if you're listening, Hope you're doing great. Maybe we'll reconnect at some point. Anyway, um, uh, Slough Slough is awesome. Uh, Yeah, this is Annie. So where is Slough now? I'm sorry. I'm a poet. I had to say that. Slough is in New York. He's he's in uh, Astoria, Queens, New York. He has B-Sharp Studios. He just released a brand new record. So go go look for it. Um, I will. And uh, there's a bunch of great songs on there. That's his second record. So he's a busy cat because he released a record in 2001 called weight of words i'm I, i'm i've got the year wrong i believe and he sent that to me but this is his first time his first outing since then he's been so busy with so many amazing projects and uh he's been very lucky to have some really interesting you know one day he he did a children's record for 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 some uh some ukrainian um artist or something and it showed up on the main cd baby page now at the time if 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 your name is on the main cd baby page as a record like that's pretty big because it, it was a lot it, there was a lot of things going on it was like 2005 or he woke up and told me he's like did you know i just got on this cd baby <laughs> front page with this olia frizz record so this guy's been involved in some great projects and we we he we love him he has a new project that he's just put out um for he was funded by um he he was funded by berkeley and they did a pro tools kind of getting started or like a full-on 20 chapter thing with audio we actually use it because i always tell my students like go read chapter four and then let's go talk and so we may have to have him on at some point i think we might absolutely Yeah, you want it. Yeah. So we need to keep websites straight. So let's do it this way. So if anyone wants to check out what Slough's up to, what is his um, web address? Does anybody know off the top of their heads? Slough.net. I think it's, you know, it's either Slough.net or B Sharp Studios. I don't know what he's managing right now. Okay. All Um, right. And the correct spelling of his name is S L A U. Okay. That's what I thought. All right. It's not called Slough. It's called something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. All right. S-A-S-L-A-U. Yeah, so check it out. Uh, But but to totally confuse the world, what is IC Music's website? By the way, it's 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 not I C Y music, right? It's I S E E, right? I C music. Correct. Is that icmusic.com? Is that the is that the web address for you guys? You could do dot com, you could do dot org. Uh we do have a non-for-profit now. It's it's uh icmusic.foundation. So it's, it's, you know, just, just type it in there. You, you're going to find it. it's going to pop up. If you just want to Google it, it it'll, it'll jump up in the first page. So what is IC Music Foundation as compared to ICmusic.com? 
So IC Music Foundation is a program that will, or should I say a company, an organization that is uh, going to have support and advocacy is going to uh, include as well as the training, some training that's going to be there, which is technology training. And lastly, development and universal design, uh, both in the physical and software space. Uh, or should I say virtual space? So, you know, this is a part of uh, evolution, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, as, as technology grows, so do we. You guys were just talking about Slough. You know, I got 10,000 Slough stories. But, you know, I, I think for an individual to lay as much uh, intel and as, as Kevin said, just use one of Kevin's words, you know, graciousness, just to put it out there in the manner in which he does. He was the person that I reached out to. I went to Berkeley to find out who was doing what. Uh, Brian Charlson was a guy who trained me on uh, Apple computers. And that's how I even got a hold of, of Slough. And he was, he was like, oh, that sounds good. a little bit ambitious, you know, so he, he, he kind of didn't want to touch it. He kind of wanted to hit it with maybe a 35 foot pole. And yeah, so, uh, I, can, I can see that actually. He's so busy <laughs> right? and so yeah. talented. He, he really is yeah. an amazing talent. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so, I, I, you know, I was just so excited that, um, that he did pass Kevin because pretty much what that did and in a blind community, one thing that we have to do is we have to be adapters, improvisers, and overcomers. And so I think he saw that moving down the line and, and then he just, just the amount of resources that he's laid on me has been super invaluable. And so the IC music thing really kind of, you know, it encompasses all of that. And then that moves in, obviously the for-profit moved into the uh, non-for-profit. And one of the main reasons why I created the non-for-profit is because we also have a help desk that's going to be coming soon. And the help desk is going to be powered through Be My Eyes. I can say this in public now. We do have a help desk there that is on that actual app. It's not active right now, but you can go and see it. I don't know why you would go and see it right now when it's not active, but you can. What that is, is going to help our audio technology community who are blind and things that are not accessible and helping them to push inaccessible buttons and deal with this ridiculous software that just, you know, has some oversights as far as uh, accessibility is concerned. And these, these will be sighted engineers. Uh, that will be picking up the phone calls at uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So that was one of the biggest reasons why I said we need something to where we could get it funded because that is not a revenue generator. Right. And nor and nor am I nowhere near interested in charging the blind for being blind. You understand? Sure. So, um, so yeah, so that, that kind of did that. And then it started, you know, kind of molten over into some other things. Like I said, design things that, you know, product design, things of that nature software, you know, physical spaces to be universally designed. Um, so it's been, it's been, it's been a lot of uh, under the hood happening. Uh, I can say, uh, you know, we have a new office uh, as well. So we have two locations, one here in Beecher, Illinois, which is where I am now at the studio. And then we also have office, but that office is specific to the uh, not-for-profit and that's in South Holland, Illinois, five minutes from Chicago, from the city limits. So before we go any further, there's a third person I want to bring in on all this. Absolutely. Um, he Absolutely. is on our board, the Friends and Art Board. His name is Derek Lane. Derek, talk about how you got involved with all of this. Well, I was teaching along with Jessica Silva, Justin McLeod, 
Gianluca Apolero and several others, Carrie Hoth as well, with the organization called HAVI, which stands for the Cisco Academy for the Vision Impaired. It was this operation out of Australia, and it did some general technology courses and audio. Well, time passed, and they were kind of headed a different direction. And Byron heard about me through Kevin and looked me up and we started talking and I I (laughs) did a rather interesting move. It was, I look back and it's like, wow, I don't know if I should have done that at the time. I'm glad I did. But I said, Hey, here's some people that I want to bring along with me because we have all taught Reaper together. Here are our specialties. And I'm like, well, you know, let's pass this on. If, if I can have something amazing happen, I'd love to be able to look out for my people and see them have the same opportunity. So now at this time, Gianluca and I are two of the Reaper instructors for IC Music. I teach the equivalent of the navigation course, and Gianluca does the sort of MIDI part of the operation where you're including software instruments and hardware instruments if you have them and uh, automation and stuff like that. So I'm going to back up. Thank you, Derek. And let's start where we'd like to answer this question. What is Pro Tools? <laughs> I'll let the Pro Tools instructor answer that. I will give you the diplomatic answer. All right. I am an instructor for Pro Tools, but I'm also very honest. And you are and Kevin, are, right? Yes. You're Kevin and honest. Yes. Okay. I, I, am, I, am the, I am honest to the point where, you know, there's, there's so much of my work that I, I teach Pro Tools. There's so much of it I do in Reaper anymore. Pro Tools is a digital audio workstation. It is a DAW. You can you know, record audio, MIDI. It started in the 90s where it was, it was this kind of hardware-software hybrid. You bought the hardware and you got the disk thrown in. This wasn't one of those things where you bought the software and then figured out what interface you wanted to use. They had this thing locked. And the reason that, that Pro Tools was so ubiquitous and so powerful at the time was that it just worked. When I switched from <clears throat> Cakewalk, or sorry, when I when I was exploring either Cakewalk, Pro Tools, whatever, in, in 2000, my frustration with Windows at the time was you had to be a Chris Bell level rocket scientist to know what cards go where, what chips don't do what, and what is your DPC latency and all of these things. And it was very frustrating for those of us at the, at the time that everything in Windows was volatile. volatile. You could record r- records in Windows, but it was very volatile at the time. And Pro Tools, within five minutes, I could literally turn it on and run 24 tracks without anything bleeping out or, or speech going away. And mm-hmm. so like, they had built this thing that was rock solid and it worked and it was incredibly low latency. And they built that up further to where not only did they have the software hardware hybrid that was rock solid for I.O., but then you could upgrade to these cards that would then offload all of your plugin processing onto this um, this chassis to where the computer is freed up to just do the thing that it needs to do, which is root audio through the PC or the Mac or whatever, and 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 capture the disk and make sure everything's uh, you know crunching properly. And if you're running a billion plugins in 2003, the whole thing falls over. They now let me ask you so, quickly, just so that people see the distinction here of what you just said could be done in 2003 and what most of us were doing in 2003. When we're talking about 
running effects on cards, you're not talking about what a lot of us were doing where, oh, I want to add reverb, so I'm going to go into SoundForge and I'm going to select a thing and add reverb. The computer will come back with the reverb on my recording. You are speaking of a situation where there's a reverb effect and you can put whatever you want through it live. This isn't like a select and process and wait and get a sandwich and come back and there's your reverb. This is a like an emulation of a whole bunch of hardware, right? Yep. And it, you're absolutely right. And and so I remember the early and I and Byron, I want to give him that too because he's Byron's more into the in in as far as the higher up in the industry of knowing like what companies made what move for what reason. I'm not necessarily there, but what I can tell you is that like and there, there's like a whole lineage of of sound tools and sound designer and and these things that were that were kind of happening. But like in the Mac world in like 2001, on some of these machines, you were limited to voices. You could play back like this keyboard, that vocal, and that, and then the sound card was done. There was no more, especially if it was like just kind of built in or small things. You needed a bunch of hardware to be able to do the stuff that we're talking about at the time. And Pro Tools, what they were the first that made it easy for people to get into. They made it affordable. Uh, you know, the 001 was like 700 bucks. You got Pro Tools LE. There were some weirdo limitations, like 32 tracks, and you couldn't bounce offline. I don't know why they waited to 2011 to give me that feature. But there were there were just weird things, but the thing was solid. And I made It's About Time fully in Pro Tools under OS 9 on like three or four different machines. And so it was a time. It was a thing. And in Pro Tools now is, I'm so happy to see that we've got the Elastique stuff from Reaper now in Pro Tools. Elastic is the Z-plane algorithm. And I have been telling people for 15 years, I remember way back in the day saying to people, we've got to get rid of these stupid Pro Tools algorithms and get the ones that, that Reaper are licensing because they're brilliant and they're, they're easy. And now we've got them. We've got Melodyne. We've got some instruments. And Pro Tools is still an incredibly solid piece of gear. And, but it's just not the only thing out there anymore. And in Windows land, ladies and gentlemen, you no longer have to be a Chris Bell rocket scientist to actually get something working. In Reaperland, I was able to do a bunch of background vocals and things for a client on a Microsoft Surface with three gigs of RAM and barely any speed to make the thing run Notepad. And so the world is different. And now we kind of figure out like, well, who needs Pro Tools for what? Usually the, the guys that are needing Pro Tools are the ones that are like, I'm going to full sale. So that, that's the Microsoft Office. We have to teach them that. They have to know because their sighted counterparts are going to be knowing that. And that's what they're going to get certified in. If they're going to school, they are required. It's like if I were an AT instructor and you said, I want to go uh, eventually be an accountant for whatever, but I'm going to this business school, I have to teach you Word. It is like a prerequisite for, for you to know that. And so, you know, when you come through, especially if you're, if you're getting into the school route, we are like really hitting Pro Tools. Everything else, if you're doing a small business, it's up to you. And usually it's like, you know, we have guys look at this stuff and I've seen guys go through three classes. They've done Pro Tools, Logic and Reaper because they're like, you know what? I just want to know them all. Some of these folks, they, they experiment with some of them and then they decide, you know, my buddy, Blen Blatchford, Blen, Ben Blatchford, <laughs> whom, I, whom I taught, he's now a Windows Reaper guy. He went through the Pro Tools deal. He got up and running, got all that going. And I remember his journey as he kind of went over to the, the Reaper place, but it's kind of like, like just... You use what you use. The only thing that's wrong 
in this business is the thing that's not working for you. Derek, so, hit it. Derek, um, you, you did a session on Reaper last year. Give us a brief intro to what a Reaper is. Reaper is, again, just the official uh, acronym. A lot of things in Reaper are acronyms. So if I remember this correctly, Reaper is the, here we go, <clears throat> Rapid Environment for Audio Production, Engineering, and Recording. There Here's we go. A gold star. There we go. <laughs> Those are very important. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and um, Reaper was actually written mostly by Justin Frankel, who was the guy that wrote Winamp. He went from writing a media player to writing a DAW. And the consequence of Reaper is that it does a lot of things a little differently, and some of its terminology isn't very standard. And another problem with Reaper, just to get all the bad bits out of the way, so we can talk about the good bits, is that Reaper gives you everything you could imagine, but you got to put it together. You got to build the environment the way you want. There's no like friendly. What would you like to do? And you click on the join the masses who have covered smoke on the water preset. And there's the guitar tone that you want and whatever. It's not that it's here's everything you could want. Go get it. How? However you like, here's the actions list. You can look at everything Reaper is capable of performing in one list. Oh, there's like thousands of things. <sighs> Wonderful. Okay. Now, what was I actually going to? I don't know. So that's the, and I'm over, well, maybe I'm not exaggerating it that much, actually, now that I think about it. But that is the problem with Reaper. The cool part about Reaper is because it's so programmable, people have built some pretty cool environments and pretty cool plugins and scripts and stuff that Reaper can run to the point where I was reading a forum where some guy had a script that would turn on a light when he was recording so that people would know when he was doing recording and wouldn't interrupt him. Oh, wow. Cool. Because it just fired a, a MIDI message when you hit record. The, the key was designed to press record and then send a, some message out through a MIDI port on something. Reaper, I feel, is amazing because it can be as simple or as complicated as you want. There's a guy, all he was interested in was doing radio shows he had and um this a learner that byron hooked me up with and and that's what he wanted to do he wanted to do his radio shows that would run and you know play the hits of the 80s you know and, and it was an automated station but he wanted to voice the shows and put them together so he could do the transitions and and produce some bits for him and things like that very enthusiastic but he looked at all the stuff in reaper and it just was too much. He didn't care about the musical aspect of it. He didn't need quantizing and 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 all this stuff. And so Reaper was so customizable, we just went in and deleted part of the menu bar that had all that crap in it. And so the only things that were on the screen was the stuff that he would use. Um, his his starter template that we built for him that has his show intro in it has a marker tied to the record function. So he brings up his radio template. It's got his music on a track. It's got his microphone set up to record on another track. He presses play. Okay. And he hears his intro ID and music and everything kind of gets, you know, psyched up and ready to do his thing. And then right at the point where his voice needs to come in, the music ducks down and Reaper goes into record because there's an action marker there that drops the thing into record. So he doesn't have to do anything but hit play and just get into the mood and he's off. But 
people that are into mashups and mixing and things like that need their Reaper experience to be very different. And so we work together to give them that experience that's totally customized for them. Can I, can I add on to that real quick? Because I, I've got a Reaper thing open right now because I, I use Reaper live on stage to play instruments and backing tracks. So I have a track in Reaper called Music, and it's got a bazillion Brazilian markers that are labeled. And then it's got instruments underneath. I am building an action currently that will, when I go to the next marker, it will select and arm the track that I need to play on. So essentially, like I'm building it to do anything I want to do. You know, the upshot to Pro Tools is, is in a sense, until this Pro Tools scripting thing that they're starting to work on, in a sense, it was finite. There were it, it had a it had a ceiling. I mean, the ceiling was way in the stratosphere. I'm not handicapping the app at all. I'm saying that there, there's a ceiling to the point where you can't script and you can't you know you really couldn't build anything. So you can go all the way from making a podcast to, uh, you know, a, a master recording, whatever you're doing, but it had a ceiling with this, the way that we are messing with Reaper is it's Legos and I'm building it to do backing tracks. And I'm, I'm actually saying I have to give this thing like 10 sets of instructions because I only have two hands. And so I'm going, I need this thing to play to the next marker, but when it, gets to the next marker, maybe stop, and then select the next track. I, I'm experimenting with how many ways could I permeate this to where it works? And so that that just gives you an idea. Reaper is kind of Legos, in a sense, because we can build these modules. And maybe maybe Derek can build a module that says, take all of the music things out. But I can incorporate that into my module that says, the the music or all of the, the music-related stuff is out, but all the podcasting things there are in with my new markers and things and i can send it back to him so you can almost make it like a github of reaper stuff because somebody could go well i've tied this to a different key for whatever reason and, and it's open source discourse so i found reaper really cool because it is 60 bucks and it's not like 60 bucks and then a subscription on top of that or anything like that you pay your 60 bucks and you have the full program you can even run Reaper free and it'll just nag you to buy it. But I always encourage my uh, learners to buy the thing because it's trustworthy. You can buy it for 60 bucks and put your license on all of your machines. You're not limited to a couple of machines or like only whatever. They actually trust you to be an ethical adult and to use the software that you purchase in the places you'll be at. And I fully support that kind of open optimism for you know and, and if somebody's gonna do that i'm in uh reaper basically appealed to my geek side and it appealed to my creative side and so i just started messing with it back in 2010 when scott chesworth had announced this thing called reaccess that it taps into reaper's api and it gives you all these cool things that you can't even see on the screen but can hear speak and then that evolved into Osara, which, contrary to popular opinion, is not a Pokemon character. It is a plugin that stands for the open source accessibility for the Reaper application. And you download that and add it to your Reaper, and then everything talks. You can read your timeline. You can tell if you're recording or not. You can hear what's selected. You can 
get an alternate interface to a plugin, even if it's not actually accessible through its interface. It doesn't matter. Osar brings it up in a menu. And it just all, all, all these things that I could just ramble about forever. But here's the thing, too, though. I think with what Kevin and Derek, uh, these DAWs, uh, which stands for Digital Audio Workstations, mm-hmm. uh, these DAWs, uh, and I think Kevin said it pretty good, which was, you know, the only wrong one is, is the one that's not working for you. Right. Um, there are so many different things. One of my areas of expertise is economics. And that's not just economics as it pertains to the entire world and the system and the political side of things and geopolitical, all that kind of stuff. But this also pertains to, obviously, adaptability uh, as far as this particular training is concerned, you know, abilities, uh, unique abilities, all of the abilities that you could possibly think of. And uh, so things that come into play is, you know, uh, cognitive, physical hearing creative directions you know vocational goals and or educational goals Um, a lot of people we train come through rehab services obviously this training is not uh, it's not inexpensive at all and especially if you're coming face to face to be trained uh, it's going to be a a hefty little price tag to some you know so so what i usually say to people in evaluations because we perform what we call an intake evaluation and that, and that participant intake evaluation, what happens is, is, is probably about a two-hour conversation about what the person wants to do. You know, what, what are the desires here? You know, what is your experience? Because now we have to really look at, we're trying to get you kicked off a of disability. We're trying to get you to be who you want to be. If you don't want to get kicked off a of disability because you're, guess what, making too much money, that's fine too. We'll just do it as a hobby. We can service that too as well. But most people want to go through the roof with the thing. And one of the things that I start, I'm starting to find out is just that if a person, you know, if they want to, well, I, I haven't just started finding this out. I, I've been known this for quite some time. But if a person wants to go and get into podcasting and they, and they want to go to a particular production house, you know, and work for someone, you know, get some type of employment, then, you know, I tag up with the employer and figure out all of the requirements, the software that they're using so that we can then parallel the goal and run right alongside of that situation. Uh, It's the same thing with the educational system. No matter what type of degree someone is going to go for, Kevin mentioned Ben Blatchford. Um, Ben was a super advanced logic user when he came in the door, but he wanted to learn Pro Tools and his school reached out to us, which was Columbia College here in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they reached out to us to train him because the instructor there could not train him and said that he would fail him if he could not perform the functions in Pro Tools. And so, you know, obviously this got ran up the flagpole, legal jumped in, provost jumped in. So <laughs> the entire upper administration of that of that university jumped in. And then I came into a meeting. Uh, with these folks. And uh, a very good friend of mine actually works at Columbia College. Uh, I have friends all over the place. <laughs> this is crazy. But he was working there and he says, man, this this guy that, that Ben is telling you that he needs to train him, same as Byron Harden. Actually, Byron Harden's not going to do the training, but you know, his company is it really the only company in the world that is doing this at a comprehensive level, meaning that they can take you from zero to hero in a program. 
And so, and what I mean by in the program, I'm talking about a succession of courses that's taken. And so it was a thing where they then reached out because their biggest concern was, well, are you teaching what we're teaching? Because that sounds like competition. Excuse my language. So y'all can beep this out. And I was like, hell no. What we're doing is we're teaching the blind person to actually navigate the hardware and software so that when they come to you, now they're having the experience that is going to be more gratifying, self-gratifying. That is hyper important. I don't care who you are. If you can do it yourself, I don't care if it's pouring a glass of orange juice or or standing up and peeing in the toilet without being <laughs> Either way, if you can do it by yourself, look, it's an amazing thing to do. It is natural. It's innate. And so that is really where we come into play at. And I think these DAWs, as we're looking at, you know, hardware and software, the more that these things become accessible, you know, the more opportunity that it is for the blind out there, because this unemployment rate in the blind community is stupid. It is unbelievable. That's where the universal design stuff came in at. So we're just, we're really, really attacking this huge issue of blind folks not working, you know, even feeling like they can't work. And so obviously having Reaper, Pro Tools, Logic, uh, we don't train on Samplitude, although, you know, there are people out there that do. Um, I usually pass people along to those folks who do. And then not just on that, but then on the OS. So both on Windows, the Windows screen reader, we can train on JAWS, but we don't. We can train on NVDA, and we do. We also train on Mac OS, a screen reader, which is voiceover. Now we're doing iOS training, iPad OS training. So these things are, you know, these trainings, and that's just a few trainings that we have. These trainings cool. are designed. So I'm, I'm going to ask that we do a role play, and any of you can react to what I'm saying. Uh, somebody mentioned that this it's sort of a two-hour conversation we all we, uh, we, you have when you're talking to a new person. So I want to pretend I'm a new person. And I've called one of you. You start with Byron. Start with Byron. So we're going to start with Byron. And uh, Byron, and we're going to try to condense this to like five or 10 minutes. All right, obviously. So people can get a handle of how you operate when you're assessing a new person's interests and skills and all that stuff. So Byron, you ready for this role play? Uh, Yes. Good. Okay. So, hi, my name is Peter. Uh, I am uh, sort of interested in this whole music podcast thing and tr- trying to learn something about it. Uh, how can you help me? Well, there's a truck driving school uh, probably in your area. Uh, where, where do you live, uh, Peter? Uh, I live in, in Missouri, in Columbia, oh. Missouri. Okay, so you don't have a truck driving school there. Uh, uh, not that I'm aware of. So, okay. So, yeah. So this does sound like an, an amazing option for you. Uh, so, okay. So one, the first thing is, is what we have to figure out, Peter, is what exactly do you want to do in audio? So I want to do two different things. All right. I want to learn how to do basic music recording. So if somebody comes in off the street and wants to lay down a, you know, a basic tracks for, for a song he's done or she's written, I can do that with a minimal amount of hassle. Mm. And I also want to learn how to edit podcasts so that mm. I can, uh, um, so that I can, uh, you know, uh, get more involved with the technical side of podcasts. I currently interview people for a podcast, but I don't do any of the technical stuff. So I want to those sort of sure. the, sort of the two things I'm sort of interested in doing. What's what's your visual ability right now? What's your acuity? I am totally blind. 
Okay. Uh, computer experience, like what platform are you on? Are you well, right, now, right now I'm, I'm using uh, JAWS, which is, of course, window-based. Um, oh, okay. Uh, uh, so, uh, it, you know, I, I understand from what I've heard that uh, sometimes Apple as the, as the Mac might be a better approach, but, and I'm happy mm-hmm. to do that if I can, but if I can avoid it, I just assume do that. But if I can't, you know, uh, I'll, I'll figure out a way of, of <laughs> getting Mac. Right. Getting Mac. Understood. Mac Right, 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 right. Un- un- understood. Now, now, let me ask you this though: uh, uh, Are you are you paying for this out of pocket, and, or are you do you have an active uh, vocational rehabilitation case open? I'm paying uh, I'm paying this out of my own pocket. Okay. Uh, of course, okay. I don't have a whole lot of money, so you know. Uh, oh. But mm-hmm. I, you know, but I have some. You know, I can. You know, sure. I can. I can put some money aside for this. Sure, sure. And you, you are open to a new OS. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Mm, but one of the one one of the things I, I may have to buy some equipment. So you know, I, I, whether it be a synthesizer or something. So I want mm-hmm. I want just the the bare bones thing that'll get me up and running as quickly and as concisely and as as, as economically as I can. Do you do you have any sighted assistants at home? Uh, right now, I don't. But occasionally, I do. You know, I can get somebody to come in once in a while and do things. Um, do you but, have, you know, do you, let's, let's assume the answer for this conversation is no, I don't. Okay, cool. Cool. No, minimal. That's, that, minimal. that's totally fine. That's totally yeah. fine. Yeah. 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 Are, are you working anywhere else? Is this going to be like hobby or is this going to be like the thing? I'm right now I'm working part-time, but if I could, you know, if I could, uh, you know, get some money on the side doing this work, I'd be delighted. Um, mm. so that's the best answer I give you with that. Okay. Where are you, where are you working? I'm working at the university of Missouri, tutoring students, student athletes. Uh, and I also uh, do gigs at various churches. I'm, I, I'm a, a drummer in the church praise band, and I'm in a uh, in a jazz uh, quartet. Do you currently have Do you currently have any equipment at home? Audio gear, in- interfaces, uh, microphones, a microphone cable, anything? No, I literally right now have nothing. Wow. Okay, so but I, you I at the church, you at the church just plugging stuff into the wrong in- inputs and all that kind of good stuff, right? Uh, I'm sorry. Repeat that. <laughs> now I'm just messing with you. So, oh, okay. so, 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 last question for you, uh, Peter. Yeah. How much traffic in your area, like foot traffic? Uh, well, right now I live in a, um, uh, a, a large apartment building of 13 floors, and I live in the sort of a center of the city. Uh, Columbia University is a university town. Uh-huh. Uh, and so there probably is some talent out there that if I could get up and running, I probably could, you know, do some marketing and find folks to, you know, to come in and uh, and work with me. How long have you been on that compute on that on that Jaws? How long have you been using Jaws? Oh, forever. You okay. know, uh, I, I you know I'm one of the first purchasers of Jaws for Windows. Sure, sure. Yeah. Economically, right now, off just off that information, what I would say is Reaper would be the choice uh, in this particular instance, and I'm gonna tell you why. The main reason is is because number one. The financial side of it's going to make more sense. Mm-hmm. I would also recommend virtual training because obviously at you know one hundred fifty dollars a session, uh, that's going to be a little bit more palatable than ten thousand uh, dollars per yeah, module. I think, okay, I think that's probably right. Okay. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you know you're looking to record, I mean, obviously you can see where this conversation. I, I mean, I would get even as far as you know, learning of any kind of, you know, social, emotional situations, because we're looking at anxiety, you know, we're looking at, 
you know, how are you interacting with the public? You know, these are a ton of things that that need to 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 be considered, mm-hmm. uh, especially in blindness. Right. Because it's just like sure. so it's a lot of times, you know, blind individuals have multiple situations going as far sure. as, you know, the unique abilities go. And so I would say, yeah, you know, Reaper. And the reason I would say that is because how long you've been on that particular platform it would just make sense. Now, if it was a rehab service thing and you were saying to me, hey, look, I want to go to school or I want to go and work for this studio and, and you know, they're, they're Pro Tools based, but I can bring my own rig in. I would not suggest you to bring your own rig in with mm-hmm. Reaper on it simply because we would want you to be integrated into their flow. Sure. Uh, that would make sense. And then I would have to have a serious, serious conversation. Maybe even sometimes I, I go and take tours. Uh, I fly out different states take tours of these facilities to see who's doing what you know we have one here in chicago a guy's going to get trained on uh broadcasting and it's a community college but i have to still go there and tour and just feel the space understand the software understand the hardware and then start to look at the possibilities of you know tactile in the situation you know with braille labeling you know with dino tape or going in with bump dots and you know or even suggesting to them uh, different ways to set up the microphone so things are now universally designed so things intuitively make sense to the blind user and the sighted user and if they had a wheelchair person coming in. So there's a lot, of, there's a ton of considerations that so come So getting, getting back to my situation, uh, so you're recommending uh, that I use Reaper, which I understand. Uh, yep. Presumably, I'd also need to buy uh, some kind of a, a quality synthesizer of some description. Uh, yep. um, you know, with with good sounds and all of that, absolutely, absolutely, and and, and, and a microphone or two, and and a, yep. and a stand and a, and some cables. Based on the limited information you have about me and what I'm looking to do, what would you recommend? You know, as economically as you can to yep. you know to to get my studio started. Yeah, yeah, you're looking at native instruments. You know, complete control, whatever bundle you could afford. Uh, we'd also be looking at uh, uh, microphone wise. Uh, you know, a decent microphone is a WA-414, you know, um, that's that's a budget situation. I've been also recommending the 251 too as well, which is also warm audio. Um, there's a thousand different directions. I mean, we have a sponsorship with uh, Sure Microphone and not because of anything outside of they're great. You know, obviously for drum mics and things like that, I'm usually using Sure mics. Uh, I mic with my kits, not just because of the sponsorship, but because I like the way that the beta 52 sounds and then also as well as the beta 98s on tom so then there's that are you going to be recording drums you know so there's a ton of things that come into there different types of mic stands you know i would say you know obviously mic stands cables mics uh if you don't have the instruments because you said you had nothing you have to kind of look at that package too as well because some people want backlines that's that's also a thing that needs to be a discussion you know what i'm saying like you know are we going to be able to have a full service studio are you going to have bass amps amplifiers key, basic keyboards like junos and stuff like that yamahas motifs things of that nature so having back that's what backline is right so understanding that as well as <clears throat> then you know a a huge question is going to be you know how much autonomy do you have of the space Mm-hmm. You know, can are, can you modify structurally? Sure. Uh, are you in an apartment? Are you a single family home? Do you have a brick and mortar? You know, this is so it's a ton of things that, that has to be considered, I would think, you know. Sure. So thank you, Byron, for all of your help. I will uh, think about all this and get back in touch with you. Uh, Derek <laughs> and 
Kevin, do you have anything to add to any of this about our conversation we've been having? What would happen based on the recommendations if you said yes is that Byron would call me and he'd be like, hey. Um, so that's that's my Byron Hart impression. So, hey. <laughs> Uh, that's also part of my Byron Harden impression. Um, yeah, uh, he'd tell me the basics, kind of bottom line up front. When can you start? And then I would say, well, I'm free from such and such. And he'd check with you. And then I see music would set up a Zoom meeting. I would get my host link and he would get his link. And we'd go from there. Okay. So to wrap things up, I would like to know what you guys are going to be doing to help us with the showcase in July. So the showcase for a while, it was a live event. It was a highlight of convention for me and many others that I've spoken to during the peak of the grade four Braille and the funky fonts era. And these, these virtual showcases, well, they were fun for the listener. And they were an interesting challenge for Jason and I and the other friends and art board in 2020 and 2021. But around last year, it's kind of like, okay, guys, let's 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 get back to doing this for real. And it was this year that everyone was comfortable with taking the chance and saying, okay, let's do it. But we've got to get some people, some players, you know, if if we're gonna take the chance and go big or stay home we're going to go big and so since the acb convention is held in schaumburg illinois that's near chicago that's that's some you know right in byron's backyard so i called byron and i said hey you were talking to lynn about some of this stuff back in the day uh, back in 2020 before things went a little crazy and let lynn had all the former president of friends and arts yeah. Yes, 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 yes. One of my favorite people in the world. Absolutely. Um, and she was freaking amazing. Um, she would she was she was I could go on about her for a while because she was great. But um I said, Are you still interested in doing this? I'm not Lynn, but you know, are you still in? Um and he said yes, and we got him uh, and Kevin as well on some of our meetings and we we talked everything up and we're going to have a house band. It's going to be, well, whoever wants to join, but I know Nancy Pendergraph hopefully will be there. Jason and I will be there. Uh, Kevin is going to be there. Um, we've talked with Byron and he's talked to some of his guys about the uh, rig that we're going to have in terms of handling all the backline and technical stuff. And um, it's pretty exciting because and it is my understanding that you guys are going to uh, might back up some of the acts. If they let us know what you uh, what they want to do. And it is also my understanding that you guys might play a few tunes, you know, th- during the course of the show. Uh, yeah. I mean, you have that many musicians around hanging out together. How could you not? Absolutely. So uh, we are delighted that IC Music's helping us out with this, with all of your expertise. And uh, it's going to be a, a great event, I'm sure. And we want to make sure that you at IC Music get a lot of a lot of pub for what you're doing. I mean, I think this training thing you're doing is absolutely needed, clearly. Um, and also the accessibility component with your foundation, making sure that this the technology is accessible for folks who need to use it. 
or who want to yes. use it. Thank you. So again, if somebody wanted to contact you, Byron, how would, how, what's the best way for them to do that? So uh, one thing I want to mention, you know, a lot of people say, you know, that this is kind of a, a poo-poo type of industry, you know, it's like a, a hope and a prayer. And I think because they're looking at it from a position of the superstars are the ones that's making the money. And that's just not the case anymore. Things have been so decentralized due to technology. And it's a very good thing, especially for the blind individual who now can, you know, the the world is really your client base now. And so, you know, we're sitting at the type of training that we do. We're sitting at about a 90% success rate. And what that means is that when people come here to do what it is or obtain the skills that's necessary for their vocational and or educational goal, they get that and they go back and they complete those goals. And so we've really, 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 really been excited about that. And so I just wanted to say that because I'd be remiss without saying that. Uh, Absolutely. What, but as far as contacting us, of course, you could go to the website, which is www.icmusic.com. That's I-S-E-E-M-U-S-I-C.com. You also can uh, check out our Non-for-profit page, which is uh, www.iseemusic.foundation. Okay, and obviously, <laughs> my business phone is plastered everywhere. That's 312-810-1001, 312-810-1001. And you know, people who are—I—I I, I don't have a problem giving that out now because guess what? I mean, the spam callers—they're—they're they're calling it probably a good sixty-four times a day. However, if I don't pick your call up and I don't call you back for a couple of weeks, you already know. It's only do, you know, chop it up to the spam callers or just us being busy. So is it, is it, is it best that they uh, send you a, uh, an email via via your site? Is, yeah, yeah I'm coming around. A quicker, quicker response? Absolutely. I'm coming around to that. So the okay. email that's not on the site, it's our business email. I could definitely give that out. But what I'll do is I'll just say to you, you know, info at icmusic.com uh, uh, would be a, a cool way. Um, there's, there is the email on the site as well. So you can see that too, as well. Uh, I have recently snatched down all of the social media, uh, platforms. Um, I'm not really interested, uh, in the social media realm as much. Uh, however, I do have a TikTok for those, you know, wanting to see a blind 50 year old dude, producer track and pro tools, micing up drums and doing all kinds of stuff like that, using live instrumentation, playing the bass, playing guitar. And in uh, programming uh, as uh, alike, and that is you could catch me up on there at um, the letter I dot C. So that's S E E light L I G H T. Okay, and uh, and so that that is my TikTok, and uh, and so that's pretty much how you can get in contact with us. Uh, we, we're around. We are we are a little busy now, but you know, but we are open. So that's info at icmusic.com is the email address. Yes. Uh, the uh, web address is www.icmusic.com. Yep. Guys, it's been fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank, thank you, you gentlemen. so much for helping us out with the showcase. We're, we expect great things from everybody there. Uh, sure. And this is Peter from Friends in Art, uh, Art Parlor, signing off. Art Parlor is brought to you by Friends in Art and ACB Media. 
It airs every Saturday beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern on ACB Media One. To listen and for a full schedule, go to acbmedia.org one. Art Parlor is also available as a podcast. Just search for Art Parlor in your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at artparlor at friendsinart.org and please feel free to check out our website, www.friendsinart.org. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next month. <laughs>